like being on the forecast. humans, gentle ladies, lad men, ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and dreams alike, and welcome to the Devolver Digital Forecast here at forecast.devolverdigital.com. Hi, I'm your co-host JM. I'm your other host, Zach. <laughs> what does he say? I don't know what he says. He just says, I'm, I'm Jared. He just says, I'm Jared. I'm Jared. You're not, though. Oh, I'm I'm Zach. Hey, Zach. How's it going? Hey, Jim. Oh, it's going... It's going great, you know. Excellent. It's uh, you know. Found out about this podcast an hour ago, and uh-huh. here we are. Yeah. So Jared is unexpectedly out of town, unexpectedly for me. Maybe he knew about it all along, but um, so he's out of town, and uh, Zach has uh, graciously agreed to come and be the co-host this week. Um, which if we had a guest, cool. wouldn't have been necessary. I could have just done a guest one. Uh, but the, the folks I'd reached out to have reached out to a couple devs and we'll have them on in the future, but no one was available for this episode. Uh, so I prepared a presentation, um, which, uh, which will be, which would be challenging to do by myself. It would be a little weird to do. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. But, uh, you know, that's why I'm here to, uh, critique your presentation, um, and only give you harsh feedback. No freebies here. I invited the wrong person. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Brutal. That's my fault. That's my fault. Well, um, Zach, how you been? You been playing anything good lately? We'll do the little bit of, we'll do patter before we dive in. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I've been, I've been working on some fun upcoming video stuff, so that's been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm moving soon, so that's also Congrats. fun. Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so yeah, my life has been a little bit hectic, but um, you know, nothing, nothing quite as fun as being asked to be back on the forecast. I actually thought I was banned after the last time. I thought that I wouldn't be allowed back. But well, what happened last somehow, time? Um, I, I don't recall. I thought we had, but a you know, I just time. remember it being chaos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Plenty of chaos. Okay. Well, don't worry. I've got a presentation this time, and this will be totally structured and uh, yeah. Probably the crappiest episode we've ever done, but it it'll be fine. It won't go off the rails. It definitely it, won't go it, off the rails. definitely won't go off the rails. Um, so yeah. we've got a bit of uh, Devolver game update news. Um, so uh, PlayStation VR, PSVR 2 is coming out. Tentacular is a launch title on that. So, mm, so fun. If you're a PSVR so 2 person, yeah, grab Tentacular. Uh, and then Gorn has been announced for PSVR 2. That'll be coming out on March 16th. So get ready for that. Gorn and Tentacular are both wonderful VR games. Gorn is very dangerous, and you should be make sure you have plenty of room and warn people around you before you play it in VR. 
Yes, actually, you know what's funny? I just saw our original Gorn trailer that we made back when, we, when the game first <laughs> launched. Good? And it was so good. <laughs> yes. So if you're looking for destruction of, of how messy VR can be, go watch that trailer. It's, it's really, really well done. Yeah, it's really great. Lots I, of chaos. I, I don't know that woman's name, but she's, a, I think, a roller derby person or something like that. Amazing. And she gets suited up, and then she just smashes everything in the room. And that's pretty Gorn. <laughs> I did a stream. I did a Steam stream for Gorn once. And I set up a whole bunch of really, like, precarious stuff around me so that I would accidentally smash it. And I didn't smash anything. (laughs) I was Really? Yeah. Like, I bought, like, fragile, like, teapots and stuff like that. Like, I bought a whole bunch of stuff from Goodwill to smash, Uh and I didn't manage to smash any of it. Uh, So sad. I know. Like, how do you not smash things? Anyway. Um. And also, uh, we have a release date announced for Terra Nil. Uh, Terra Nil will be coming out on March 28th. So get ready for that. Yes. Um, Please go get ready for that. Yeah. That is a very exciting game, very relaxing game. You know, yeah. After you're done playing Gorn, you play Terra Nil to calm down. So, yeah, yeah. it's good. So, and it's in honor of Terra Nil that I'm going to give our presentation today, our book report basically and talk about uh talk about ways that we can uh lessen our negative impact on the world hopefully we don't make it a wasteland for someone to have to come clean up later but um there are things that we can do and things that we can change in our lives uh that can that can help that can really 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 help uh and some of those changes might be a little unexpected where do you think this is going right now zach you know, I'm just envisioning uh, the movie Wally, uh, and uh, that's where I'm envisioning us going: is uh, learning the same lessons that that little robot did today, um, except for your the the shepherd here uh, yeah. guiding us, um, Jam. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's so many little things everyone can do. Uh, what, what's what's the first? Give, give me the first one. Give, give me a freebie. Well, here's here's what we're gonna do uh, today. We're gonna talk okay. about a book by a guy named Joseph Jenkins, and I have the third edition of the book, which okay. came out in 2005. But I believe there's a 2019 version, which probably has more updated information. But this is called the Humanure Handbook. The hu- Humanure? Humanure Handbook. This okay. is a book. That's actually that's pretty good. Yeah, so this is a book you can buy, um, and it's 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 a breakdown of how we handle our our well how we handle our poop and pee, what we do God. with it, why that's it's not where I thought this would start. This no. is where so <laughs> we're in the trenches in the sewers actually. Yeah, okay. yeah, sewers are sewers are bad fucking news, um, and it's yeah. really dangerous for the planet. It's bad for us, and it's wasteful. Uh, and waste is going to be a key word throughout this because um, because waste is a big deal. So I I don't know how to do these sorts of presentations. And, you know, normally we just have kind of a casual conversation. But I've got little notes on the chapters. And I'm just going to kind of go through the book and okay. and talk about kind of what he talks about. And, and I'm going to open with the quote. He has a quote from the... Um, from the 1992 World Scientist's Warning to Humanity. Wait, wait. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I just got to say, you know, if you don't want spoilers for this book, go pause the podcast, go read it, okay, and then come back. You have you have 24 hours. Come back and listen to the rest of the podcast, okay? Um, I, 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 okay, go ahead. 
Great. Well, this will be an overview. There's going to be tons of details that I leave out because this book is Good. meticulous. Like he really has a lot of data in here uh, and really right. talks about this stuff. But um, this is from 1992, so it's not a spoiler. And when you read it, when I read it to you, you you'll you'll be surprised that it's not. It, it won't be a spoiler. Okay. This is All from right. the All opening right. title, Crap Happens. Ooh, funny. Human. I, I hope all of the titles are, are poop puns. Sorry, I keep interrupting. No, you're they good. They should all be uh, all, should all be poop puns. They're all funny. Um, yeah. Human beings and the natural world are on a collision course. No more than one or a few decades remain before the chance to avert the threats we now confront will be lost, and the prospects for humanity immeasurably diminished. It's 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 a grim opening. Ooh. Yeah, I want to get back to Wally now. That's oh man, we're starting off with a uh, the uh, uh I mean it's true. He's not wrong. Well, that's not him. That's the world scientists uh warning to yeah. humanity. That's like that yeah. that press release was entitled Warning to Humanity. Um okay. he opens up kind of on an agent Smith note um right. describing human beings, our behavior as not being so much like any other animal, but being like a pathogen. Uh, pathogens, viruses, whatever, you know, whatever pathogen you're talking about. Basically, pathogen is something that is toxic to its environment, to its host. And if it's a virus or whatever, it gets into your body and it saps your energy. It devours essential things that your body needs to live. And it just poisons. It just creates poison and makes that body an unlivable space. Whatever, I mean, it doesn't have to be a human body, but whatever its host is, sure. it makes that into an unlivable space by filling it with poisons that are detrimental to the host as a whole. Now, yeah. the difference between us and other pathogens on this planet is that other pathogens have lots of hosts to choose from. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, there is no planet B kind of thing. Um, right. pathogens can toxify their host, fill them with all kinds of bad shit, and then through the wonderful advent of contagion can move on to a new host. We don't have that option. Um, there are, you know, there's, you know, there's people that think we're going to get to Mars anytime soon. And that's pretty <laughs> delusional. Um, like just just the concept of even trying to live on Mars just is deeply uncomfortable for the next very, very, yeah. very long time. And and there's also like if you can't handle Earth, how the fuck are you gonna handle Mars? <laughs> yeah, I mean you gotta you know we haven't even sent anyone there. You gotta send someone there, yeah. and then you gotta colonize it. You gotta there's there's so many more steps than just oh hey we're on Mars so. So yeah, that's that's like far, far future stuff. And even when you're on Mars, you still got to do something with your poop. Yes, uh, true. So the first chapter is just kind of talking about how dangerous we have been for the planet. Uh, it gives a whole lot of terrifying stats about things that are going on in the world, things that we all are vaguely aware of and have been vaguely aware of our entire lives. Um, right. And yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, I think, I think everyone, everyone, you know, should be made aware. I think that's a very good thing to start that book off with, because you know, most people do know that, and uh, some people don't. Uh, you know, that how much we 
humanity that is uh take you know and uh how much we kind of pollute and and like a pathogen um so it's good to good to start that off with because that's just a that's just a general truth um of the way we've treated our world and however long we've been here well it's funny and a lot of people have this mindset of like oh nothing so small as humans could affect something so large as the planet which is a child's mindset considering that a virus very small can affect a human relatively massive yeah so so he urges us to work in harmony with our environment which leads to chapter two which is entitled waste not want not um done another excellent pun another yeah, excellent you're good. pun yeah thank so you chapter two is primarily focused on and on the difference between well on what waste is um According to the stats in 2005, we create, um, in America, between 12 and 14 billion tons of waste annually. And most of that is organic. Food scraps, poop, pee, things that are actually not waste. And we have this concept in our culture that's developed since the Industrial Revolution, that's developed through capitalism and commercialism, of these things that we buy, and when we're done, we throw them away. And they are gone. They're trash, waste. And that's not a thing that exists in nature. There's no such thing as waste in nature. Everything goes back into the process. Everything becomes something again. Like there's, like, you know, when animals defecate, it doesn't, you know, stay there forever and poison the environment. It breaks down and it becomes part of the environment again. Um... And so there's he makes a huge point throughout the book, and it's it's a valuable you know distinction to make. He never calls like human excrement waste unless it's put into a situation where it becomes waste. Um, and a lot of the things that we do with our excrement, we put it into sewage. We we flush things down a toilet, and it gets it gets mixed up with all kinds of chemicals that we're also pouring down our drains, and it goes into these treatment plants, and it gets dehydrated uh and dried out and compacted and put into landfills and landfills i think we all at this point get are a pretty bad idea sure sure it's kind of (laughs) it was the default solution they were like we don't know what else to do and so they kind of just took the 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 easiest simplest solution they could because you know at the time even still they're just not even bothering to to really rethink about about the 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 impact that has yeah well we just make so much shit we make not shit trash we make so much waste and it's been you know at first people didn't care they're like oh just put it in a hole and you know when it's done bury it yeah Um, yeah but that's yeah that's not a long-term solution first of all terrible for the environment yeah they leak they drain they get into the ground they get into the water supply they poison everything around them Mm -hmm. and then nowadays well not nowadays but in like more recent times they started lining landfills with like waterproof materials so basically a giant plastic diaper underneath the landfill and then they bury that and they call that a day Um, and it's really, really not a great way to do things. Uh, and there's so many things that we can recycle, you know, well, God, recycling is such a con, um, papers, paper, cardboard, things like that. Absolutely recyclable and even compostable most of the time. 
Um, yeah. Plastics, like the recycling thing on plastics, is this whole obnoxious con that's it's not even – we don't have any time for that. Very few plastics are actually recyclable. Even if they have, like, the symbol, they'll have the symbol and the number. The numbers go, like, one through nine, and I think only four of those numbers are even partially recyclable, and only a couple of them are wholly recyclable. It's a goddamn con. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's grim. It's fucking grim. Yeah, that's grim. And, you know, also, you know, uh, just to uh, just to think about, like, you know, obviously – uh, uh, in, in Terra Nail, right? They, they, they've kind of invented these tools in the game, right? That that can recycle almost mm-hmm. anything, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or can re- refix all these things. But we as a society aren't there yet, you know what I mean? That's something we, we're not even kind of taking steps towards um, as much as we should, I feel, um, yeah. is, is, is that kind of thinking about the future in that way, like protecting what we have. So it's, it's still very rudimentary, like recycling and all of that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's the sort of thing where there's this massive wave of garbage and people are trying to come up with solutions, but this wave of garbage never stops. It's it's just sure. constantly more and more. So we're working on things and like recycling plants are, you know, becoming more and more common. But even right. that's, you know, not a not the the ultimate solution and, and, and stuff like that. And you know, we're gonna be and we published actually several years ago we published a game that um Maybe the, the time wasn't right for it, or maybe it just didn't have the, the, the same aesthetic appeal that Terra Nil does. But we published a game called Blockhood, and I, I highly mm-hmm. recommend it. It was a really cool game. And it was sort of like these little dioramas where you would create like these. There were puzzles like where you had to like do things within certain conditions. But you basically had to like supply power, water, and different things to these like little communities. And you could build little places where people would live. And you had to manage all of their different products, wastewater, gray water, solid waste, things like that. And it was really cool because they were like, it, it was a little more, Terranil is a lot of fun, but it's not really grounded in a lot of like direct science. Sure. Whereas um, Blockhood had a lot more hard science behind it or closer to hard science, you know, um, biofilters that would, you know, clean out you know, gray water and make it usable again and stuff like that. Um, Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think the big thing overall is just, you know, um, so many people don't even uh, realize that the problem has gone as bad as it has with recycling and, and, you know, landfills and trash that a lot of people just don't even have it on, on their radar as much as they should. Um, and so, you know, when something's not as, as popular or, or well-known amongst the general public, mm-hmm. it's never going to get the correct funding or research that it needs. It's always going to be kind of second place to whatever else is more prevalent at said time. So, yeah. you know, that's why it's good to kind of bring awareness as much as we can to all of these issues because they're very real. Yeah. Yeah. And for a lot of these things, there's not a lot that we as the public can do. You can. You can work on a zero-waste lifestyle. Sure. Uh, and there are a lot of zero-waste, like, like, there's an Instagram I follow. There's a lot of zero-waste, like, people out there, like, talking about how to live that way. It's a challenge, though. In this environment, it's it's mm-hmm. you're not in a system where, like, that's encouraged. Like, you kind of have to deviate from the norm. And there's this is kind of where this will end up going, is that you have the power to control, like, what happens to your poop and pee. Um, and to kind of bring it back into the human nutrient cycle. Well, the, the natural nutrient cycle um, right. and to create, you know, the, ultimately the human or the, the point of this book is the idea of creating compost using 
your excretions, your, your extra food, stuff like that, and creating composting toilets. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I learned actually, I was listening to a different podcast and I learned recently that like in the early 1900s, scientists had realized that we were going to run out of nitrogen in the soil. Nitrogen is necessary for plants and crops to grow. And there are many cultures who have like, who use like legumes to, to re-nitrogenize the soil. Uh, South America, they did a lot of that. Uh, they would plant mixed crops to keep the soil fertile. Um, the European solution to this problem, I think in Asia they do it as well. Uh, I can't remember which parts. But um, in Europe, the solution was this scientist who created this process of literally like pulling nitrogen out of the air, creating ammonia, pulling nitrogen out of the air, and making chemical fertilizers. And something like, like we are entirely dependent on that as a race right now. Um, they, it requires oil to do it. It's incredibly unnatural. And, um, but it's, it's, I mean, it's where we're at. Like it's what we ha- it's what we need to keep all these people alive at this juncture. Um, and right. one of the problems we do is we get these chemical fertilizers. We put all the nitrogen into the soil. We get the food from that. We eat it, and then we discard it, put it in landfills. We're wasteful with it. We don't – that nitrogen goes away, and we put it in situations where um, it's uh, – actually, yeah, that's still part of this chapter. Like <laughs> one of the things he talks about is we're the only animals that shit in our drinking water. Uh, and my friend is not wrong. My friend Kyle used to make this joke, like, because the world water is a big deal. Uh, water is life. Uh, and you need it. You need clean water for anything to live. Uh, and my friend Kyle used to make this kind of joke. Uh, he's like, oh, I got so much clean water. I poop in it because that's what we do. We take this filtered, clean, drinkable water and we poop in it and we're peeing it. and We flush it away. And the amount of. Lord, where is it? Like the, I, I don't think I wrote down the stats, but the like, it's like two tons of water for every one ton of excrement or something like that. Like it's it's incredibly wasteful, wow. and then all that water has to be processed and cleaned, treated with chemicals, like all this stuff that we do with it, and it's not, it's not the best idea. Uh, the nitrogen from our like people will dump this water, this you know this gray water, this wastewater into open water the nitrogen that's so good for soil is incredibly bad for water life forms it um basically robs them of their ability like it it basically there's so much nitrogen there's not enough room for oxygen in the water and they become these dead zones um so it's just it's not uh it's not it's not a great it's not a great it's not a great system we've got (laughs) oh horrible um and so people are working on that. People are working on that. Um, and to be clear, um, raw human waste is not suitable for use on crops. You don't just take take it directly and put it as a fertilizer or something like that. It does have to go through a composting process. Um, it's, you know, according to this guy, it's so safe he uses it on his gardens and stuff like that and has been for 30 years. Uh, he and his family have been using it on their gardens for 30 years, and it works just fine for them. 
Right. So those of you at home who have been using your raw human waste, just compost it, okay? Get get some compost in there, okay? You've been eating your your poop vegetables, and you got to you got to fix that up. You got to you got to change that. <laughs> thank God. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. Because yeah, people right yeah. now are just like oh, just throwing poop on their on their on their yeah. vegetables. No, you can't do that. You gotta no. Gotta you gotta do it. Um. So the next chapter is not um. Is not a pun. I do apologize. It's called micro husbandry. Uh, all right, we're done. We can we can turn off the. We can stop recording. That's uh, not micro. That's it's not even closely related to any poop puns. I, I'm. It's not. It's not. Um. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's micro husbandry poo poo. That's uh, the full title okay. of the chapter. Saved it. Saved <laughs> it at the end. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I feel better about it now. Good. Good. Um. So the, he talks about the different ways that excrement is dealt with, either disposing it, throwing it away, applying it raw to crops, which is a vector for pathogens and all kinds of shit. Terrible idea. Something called slow right. composting, which isn't necessarily uh, what he recommends. And then thermophilic composting, which is what you do is you create an environment that encourages bacteria to grow. And you have a couple different types of bacteria. There's mesophilic bacteria, which are the first ones to, to start up in compost. And they begin to generate heat because as they're eating and as they're doing their thing, they'll generate heat. And these things can get um, like up to like the, the mesophilic bacteria, which are not even the ones that like heat, will get the temperature up to about 111 degrees Fahrenheit in a compost Ooh. pile, like just doing their thing. And this does include things like E. coli and pathogens and things like that, things that are okay living in the human body. But when they get it up to that heat, they kind of wake up these other organisms, the thermophilic uh, bacteria, and they will then, they start churning and they start doing their thing and the heat goes even higher, getting up to like 130, it can get up to 150 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which is apparently not as hot as you want it and probably unlikely in like a home compost pile. But that heat, as well as the competition from those bacteria, will, generally speaking, like well, will wipe out almost the entire population of like pathogenic bacteria and stuff like that. The pathogens don't like heat. They like a human body temperature. They don't like it hotter than that. And they don't like competing with all these other bacteria. They get eaten, they get they get robbed of their food supply and stuff like that. So this is probably like one of the most important parts. This is the second stage of the composting process. And it's one of the most, it's like probably the, well, it's one of the most important parts. After that stage, <clears throat> there's a cooling process where fungus and worms come in and start breaking down other materials. And then finally, there's a curing process where you let it sit for about a year. Uh, and over this time, like the last of the pathogens die out. Not, so not all of them. There's always, I mean, in anything, there's little bits of bacteria that could hurt you and stuff like that. Those, that's everywhere. And you really don't want that to be at zero because you do want your body to be able to engage with these things. But it's, it's at below like detectable levels after the, this year. Okay. I don't know how fun it is when it's so technical. Um, yeah, you know, it's good to know. Uh, and, and so there's, you know, you need four things to make compost. You need moisture for things to, because everybody needs water. You need oxygen 
so you have loose material in there. The oxygen can get in because these organisms still need oxygen. You need it to be able to warm up, get those temperatures. Um, and then you need a carbon and nitrogen balance. Um, okay. And that is – does he talk about that yet? Uh, let's see. What does he say? What not to compost? According to him, if you keep the carbon-nitrogen balance right, you can compost just about anything organic. Um I mean, he talks about in his compost things at home, talking about like, you know, they've got chickens and ducks and, you know, rabbits and stuff like that. So if one of them dies or something like that, they'll like make room in the compost pile and it will compost everything. Uh, you know, wow. I guess, you know, everything, everything. <clears throat> can we con can we compost his own book? Yeah. Yeah. You can compost books. Now, it's if it's got like a plastic cover or something like that. Mm, plastic, uh, yep. Plastic's not going to compost. That's not going to break down. But you just got to pull out the plastic at the end. But the pages will compost. And he, there's some yeah. part where he talks about composting newspapers and books and stuff like that. And and there's there's like toxic See? elements in the ink that, according to him, get taken out and broken down over the course of the composting process. Because it's a very oh, wow. it's a very rigorous chemical process. It's a very rigorous biological process that just kind of breaks down. Everything you've got bacteria, you've got fungus, you've got macroorganisms like worms and bugs rooting around in there eating everything. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a lot, so hmm. yeah. So basically, what we've learned once more is plastic is the worst, plastic uh -huh. is, is awful. Um, just yep. you know, take notes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's such a wild thing, plastic. It is, it's it's so this is just it did what it promised to do. It lasts forever. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's what they that's what they were going for, and and boy, boy, did they get it right. They sure did. They, we just didn't use it in things that we needed forever. They just used it in everything. Well, it uh, just became so cheap to produce. It's so cheap to produce and so incredibly useful. Like the the usefulness yeah. of plastics cannot be overstated. Like just phenomenally yeah. useful things. Like just you, you could make anything out of plastic. It's incredible. Yep. It's dangerous. Uh, it lasts for fucking ever. Um, mm. But it's it it is a miracle thing. Um, there is there's a there's a George Carlin bit, and as I was reading this, I was reminded of it because George Carlin, you know, talks about like maybe the Earth wants plastics and stuff like that, and it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of near it's near the end of his career when he was getting just real fucking grim. Yeah. Uh, but there is like, you know, if this is a natural, like, you know, if composting is a natural process, if intelligence is a natural process in an organic system like the earth, like maybe the creation of, you know, polycarbons like plastic, uh, is just kind of another natural step in that process. And, you know, funguses and other things will be eating those and that'll just become part of a different nutrient cycle. We may not survive to see it, but sure. life is... Incredible, and the composting is really indicative of like the the cleaning power of it. Now, this is you know my reading of a book, uh, and I did do some research just to like double check that there's not like a whole bunch of people being like, "This guy's just insane!" Like, no way do any of this. You know, there are people, yeah. there are people who say that human compost, like you know, human excrement compost, should never be used on um, things you plan to eat. Uh, mm -hmm. should never be tilled into soil that you plan to use to grow food that you're going to eat. 
Um, which if you feel that way, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's the way you feel. Sure. You could use it for flowering plants or you could use it at like, you know, in fruit trees and stuff like that. So it's nowhere near the thing that you eat. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also think it goes, you know, without saying too that, like neither me or you are experts on this topic. So please, please. Yeah. Please do your own research as well. You know, if you decide to pick up any of these methods, but, but hopefully at least, you know, this, this opens your eyes at least to, to uh, possibilities, other opportunities out there and whatnot, like uh, of ways that you can help. And it's surprisingly easy uh, to do this, to, to make a, a, a composting system that, you know, I, I think I skipped over it because I, you know, didn't want to do exhaustive, you know, book report. But, you know, he talks about sure. like this is valuable material. This, you know, excrement is valuable material. There's there's nitrogen. There's things that are healthy for the soil in there. There's things that are healthy for plants. Um, there are and historically, even even in the United States at points in history, certainly throughout Asia and other places, um, he makes reference to places in Japan and Vietnam in particular where um, where the rights to gathering the excrement was like it was valuable. Like it was it, it's it's a valuable resource. Like you use it properly and it will like it's 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 manure. It's fertilizer. It's it's really it's it's natural and it's good. And we have this phobia, this fear of poop and shit in in our culture. It's the same. We have so many weird hangups <laughs> we have this yeah. incredible fear of death that mm-hmm. motivates almost everything we do um sure I, I think there's a tremendous fear of human sexuality uh that's still prevalent in the way that we live our lives and there's a, like there's just a fear of everything that's just normal and natural and animal about us as if it somehow makes us less special that dying makes us makes life tragic uh, that excrement is gross and like not a normal thing, which is so weird because it is a normal thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably one of the most normal things, if I'm being honest. It's everybody poops. Yes, yes, that was the book we all read as children. If you didn't read Everybody Poops, that is the second reading assignment. You can pause the podcast here, read the book, come back. Yeah. Uh, both, you know, it's it's just a it's just a fact of life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just that's just how it goes. Um, yeah. So the the let's see, where am I? Where am I? Let's see. So the carbon nitrogen ratio back on track. Yeah, yeah, back on track. So the the basic thing of it is so throughout the process, I guess I'll, I'll talk a little bit. So the process is you have you you make excrement and then you cover it with cover material. And he has recommendations. Sawdust is the one that sticks into my mind, but like rice husks and there's there's a bunch of other things that he lists that you use as cover material. And you do that every time you do this. Um, and like whenever you're making your compost pile and basically whenever you do that, it doesn't it, like it prevents any scent from like it doesn't stink or anything like that. It uh and it keeps the carbon nitrogen ratio good. You need carbon on there to like keep the, the ratio healthy for a good um, composting experience. Um, let's see, thermophilic gotcha. organisms. It's, and the details in this book are incredible. Like there's just a whole bunch of details, statistics. Um, it's 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 really fascinating. Uh, like the the research is there. Like he's done his research. Um, sure. 
and kind of covers a whole bunch of things. And he has like, you know, if you're familiar with composting, he covers like, do you turn your compost pile? Do you use lime? Blah, blah, blah. Like just all kinds of stuff. Um, things that compost can be do, can do. It can be used as filters for water and air and, and many modern water treatment facilities and things like that use natural processes um, at some point in the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just necessary. It works. Um, do you do you compost, Jim? Not yet. Okay, but you no. think it, you're you're gonna do it. Uh, it's it's an ambition of mine. Think about I, it. If I were if I were okay. better motivated, if I were better at actually doing things that I want to do, yeah, I would be doing it. <laughs> yeah. Already. Um, okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a big problem for everyone, right? It's, yeah. Uh, the motivation to go out and do something like this. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, there's 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 a lot of benefits that we've discussed. Uh, <clears throat> and then also there's lots of ways that, you know, you take one little step towards doing something like this and it can kind of open the doors to to understanding, you know, how how easy it is to do a lot more of these little simple things to, yeah. to better the environment, better what you do with your waste, your trash, whatever it may be. The hard part is getting started, honestly. That's like 90% of the problem, as I'm yeah. sure you're well aware. Yeah, it is. Uh, and he, on his website, has videos how to make a, like, how to make a, you know, compost heap, like, set one, like, a permanent one up in, like, 10 minutes using wood pallets and stuff like that. And he sells something wow. called the Lovable Loo, L-O-O, which is just basically... So this is kind of getting this is further into the book, but we might as well talk about it now. Like the way that he recommends it, uh, and one of the easier ways to do it is to not have an active composting toilet, but to have what's called a dry toilet. Okay. Which is going to sound really rudimentary when I say it, but it's a box. It's an empty box with a seat on it, box, and a bucket in it. You put up like a five gallon bucket, and you. It's like at the Ren Fairs, and you go to the Ren Fairs, and they have ye old toilet. That's that's what we're talking about. Yeah, but so this is like okay. you know, you get a plastic bucket, and you get uh, mm-hmm. you have your cover material on hand and toilet paper, of course. Um, but basically, you finish your business, and then you scoop out a bit of the cover material, and you lay it on top. You like you you, you don't like put it on there with your hand. You just get like a little scoop, and you like you know scoop it in there so that it's covering you know whatever you just did. Uh, and then when that bucket is ready to go, you take it outside, you make some room in your compost pile, which is just a larger version of the same thing you've got in the bucket, um, except not in a bucket. You pour your stuff in there, put another layer of cover material on top, and that's it. You're done. Uh, it's a little more work than flushing. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing, you know, we've been sold this convenience of, you know, like, okay, bye poop. Sure. But that's not really the best way for any of us to handle things. Now, there are places that, you know, might work on larger composting things. But again, like we, we, we as Americans at the very least, have a system in which it's all the sewer. All the chemicals, all the stuff anybody pours in there all goes into the same place. So that's not really safe to use um, without yeah. a far more extravagant process. And even then, it's dubious. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, this is the part where you can do your own kind of research, too, into this and see, you know, what waste systems that your uh, county, town, yeah. city, whatever it may be, actually does. Um, and, you know, yeah, we've, we've been sold on this convenience for so long, but, 
you know, after a while, you gotta you gotta really think about the the trade offs that you're you're getting for that convenience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have, I have, yeah. It's it's uh, we're gonna have to do a little more work. It's gonna have to be a little more human, <laughs> like we used to have to do. Um, right. But I don't think it'll be terrible, and we can really get systems in place to make it convenient and and normal for all of us. I mean, I have I have a lot of fantasies on how I'd like to live. Like, I want to live in a hobbit hole, basically. Like, underground homes, okay. so much more efficient. Sure, um, yeah. I mean, it's insulation alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to deal with drainage. They, they come with their own challenges and stuff like that. Everything does. But, like, it's yeah. just, it's prettier. <laughs> it's smarter. It just makes more sense. Uh, and the, the difference is that you have to, like, you know, make it, fit in its environment instead of just, you know, building a box everywhere you go. Uh, and right, I just say that right, right. Uh, the next chapter you'll be excited to hear is called deep shit. Oh, thank God. Oh, I was getting worried there that we wouldn't get back onto that, but <laughs> you, you know what? He stared it around. Yes. Yeah. Ah, thank goodness. Uh, you're going to really love chapter five. Um, but this is, this oh, is so a sorry. pretty, it's a pretty brief chapter and you know, it kind of talks about, the inhibitions that people have with it, you know, uh, against uh, doing these things. But really, uh, there's a lot of just how badly Europeans have handled feces for centuries. <laughs> like, I, I'm not a fan of um, the peoples of Europe historically. Like, I don't have anything against anyone that lives there now. Uh, personally or anything like that. But um, we are a violent, disease-ridden mud people. Um, there's another book, 1491, which is about the Americas before Europeans came over. And a lot of it does still talk about, like, after Europeans arrived and, like, their impression of things, because, of course, that's most of the actual writing and data that we have on the subject. But, um, like, the conquistadors went into, I want to say it's Teotihuacan in the Aztec city. They went into one of the Aztec cities, I believe. Uh, and they wrote home about how incredible it was that the streets weren't full of shit. Um, just, just Europe, man. They just, they just threw poop yeah. everywhere. England, they just threw shit in the street. They, they're just like, this is fine. Um, right. You know, like so many plagues, the Black Death, like all of these things. Uh -huh. Because, I mean, and maybe this is a lot of why, you know, we as, you know, Westerners have this fear, this fecophobia. Sure. Because for centuries, we just t did the worst things you could do with it. Right. But they also did it because it was, you know, it was convenient for them. They just took the easiest option. They didn't even bother to, you know, no. really think about what was going on. And so no. <laughs> once again, this complacency has, it was the root of all the problems. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought it was in this book, but in my, in my, in going through it uh, for this podcast, I wasn't able to find it, but there was, I, again, I thought it was in this book, but I was reading a book talking about the use of weight, like handling waste in the United States and like, um, Major cities, like along the Mississippi and stuff like that, you know, as these cities were growing, would just throw their shit in the river. And cities that were downriver of them would start getting sick. And they'd be like, hey, stop, throw, do something else with your shit. And the city, up, you know, upriver would be like, no, because that would be inconvenient for us. So a lot of like water treatment 
um, in this country started uh, because people downriver had to clean the water from people upriver who didn't fucking bother. Wow. Okay, so yeah, just really passing the blame. Um, so, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start shitting at your house, JM, so that it's your problem. You can deal with it. Yeah, and it's off my off my hands. It's it's, it's not it's, my problem anymore. It's, it's not your problem anymore. Yeah, that's how that works. Cool. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. 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 Um, anyone, anyone listening, if you want to shit, just, you know, hit JM up. Uh, I'm sure he'll find a collective spot. Place, pass the blame, okay? We'll just pass the blame around. I invited Take no person. responsibility. <laughs> Damn, yeah. how do you like my message? Am I, am I doing it right? Am you I know, doing it right? That's, 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 the, that's, that's the message I really wanted to get out there, sharing Thanks. this book with everyone. Less responsibility. Celebrating, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Problem is you're shitting in your own toilet. Go shit in somebody else's <laughs> yard. Make it their yeah, problem. Yeah, then you have no problems. Just go shit in the open sewer. <laughs> okay, all right, guys. Just shit a clock. Let's go. <laughs> um, so that's kind of just the breakdown of, of that chapter. Uh, just kind of talking about bad decisions that had been made um, or decisions that just were never made. Uh, there's, right. there's, you know, there's this... We have so many things where we've been born into this world where there's so many systems in place. First of all, we take it for granted that they are they must just be the correct system, which is not necessarily true. Um, but we also like have this idea that they were meticulously thought out and well planned by people who had all the information. And the truth right. is, human beings have never had all the information. We're usually lazy and there's usually too many of us and people don't want to do things like they don't want to do things that are harder like it's just wild there yeah. was there was also and I, it was in that other book and i guess it's not in this one or i just didn't see it when i was going through this but like there used to be like places in the u.s where there were these big metal boxes and there was a toilet on top and you'd shit in the box um and i mean maybe this is when he's talking about like shanghai and stuff like that i'm trying to i, I wasn't able to find it but basically, like, when they moved to – I want to say this was in the U.S. When they moved to sewage systems and stuff like that, like, the shit scrapers unions, like, got real fucking mad because that was a lucrative job. Like, you got paid a lot of money, and then you, like, turned that stuff into fertilizer. Right. They probably didn't do it right, but it was still probably No. We still ruined ourselves. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Still so, our problem. Still our problem. So chapter five is called A Day in the Life of a Turd. I just thought you'd enjoy that. Okay, that, yeah. You know what? I'm kind of missing the chapter three title now. I mean, yeah. I feel like the poop puns are a little bit overdone. Now I'm like, want to get out. A Day in the Life of a Turd. I mean, it's kind of a little bit weak. I'll give it a five out of ten. I'm going to start rating these as we go, these would chapter it, titles. Is feel like would it important. make you happier if you knew that there was a – a little drawing of oh, there's a little anthropomorphic poop person sitting on a lazy boy with a beer smoking Ooh. a cigar. Oh, that does. That makes it way better. That's an easily an easy three point putt, but that's eight out of ten. <laughs> okay. I did not know there was art in this book. There that is. is that is very good to know. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's cute, quirky humor. The the, the yeah, writing yeah, yeah. is very aware of the of what he's writing about and aware of how people feel about it. Um, which sure. is, I think, why he opens with such serious 
stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to like be like, hey, this is important, and these are the reasons why it's important. And but he's 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 got a sense of humor about it, and a little defensive, I think. But that's I would under I understand that. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. A day in the life of a turd is um is uh just kind of a breakdown of like different sewage systems that we've used, different um you know excrement removal systems we use including like a biological digester like a primitive biological digester where people apparently just used to poop into a trough that pigs would eat um not a good solution huh uh uh-huh. um wow. goes into outhouses and how polluting they can be in wet ground in dry ground talks about septic systems uh, he kind of just goes through all the other ways that we have of dealing with these things and kind of their their flaws and their challenges. Um, wastewater treatment, stuff like that. Like, he really does break down a lot of the ways that, that things are handled. And they, they that can be handled well, but, like, you know, required le- different levels of effort um, or, um, you know, municipal levels of action. And that's the, you know, I think his dream is that this stuff does become normal, becomes municipal, becomes something where like, you know, you you do your compost and or you take your, you know, poop buckets and you set them out and somebody from the city comes and gathers them up and, you know, puts them in like a large composting situation where they have a chance to like really compost in a healthy way. This chapter does cover chlorine and it talks about chlorine for many, many pages. Um. Wow. Is chlorine the, bad? Good. Chlorine is bad. <laughs> okay. I figured as much because, yeah. you know, every time you go to the pool as a kid, that's all you smelled. And, you know, you always ingested a little bit of it. And I always felt like, man, this is going to be the thing that just destroys humanity. It's so, <laughs> so distinct. And it's, it's so, ugh. It's, it's very bad. It doesn't occur in nature. Um, and what, what chlorine does, why we use it, is that it breaks down, like, the cell walls of microorganisms. Um, and basically causes them to leak and die. Uh, it also does this to our cell walls in in trace amounts and stuff like that. Like, it's not good for us. It's very bad for respiratory systems and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, we've been drinking chlorine our entire lives, and we're not dead from it or anything like that. Um, but too much chlorine getting into the environment or, you know, in the water supply is just generally not good because there's this... One of the earlier chapters, he talks about the difference between um, sanitary and sterile. Um, And we, as Americans, have this fantasy that for something to be sanitary, it must be sterile. It must be free of microorganisms. It must be free of all contaminants. It must be free, you know, it must be just a, you know, solid plastic, which is fantasy and not necessarily healthy. I mean, you've heard of gut biomes and stuff like that, you know, where... yeah. Um, and there are stories of people who uh, take too many, like take too strong or too much antibiotics and they um, they destroy their gut biome and that will affect them for the rest of their lives because so many of these bacteria are important and are necessary to a healthy life, to a healthy nutrient cycle, to a healthy individual life. Like bacteria are, you know, are important. <laughs> They're really important. So killing yeah. all of them to get rid of a few of them has its ups Not and downs. Not a good idea. Okay. Um, I mean, for for its time, you know, chlorine is probably, I mean, it, it's, it's a miracle chemical and shit like that. Like the ability to sure. get like d- disease-free water to every home is, is 
a big deal. Like that that hasn't happened historically. So I don't know how hard I want to come down on chlorine. He's not a fan of it, um, and it is dangerous. Right. Uh, you is. know, I'm I'm fine. You know, you won't, but I I, I hate chlorine. I'm going to go on the <laughs> record here. Chlorine is the worst. Okay. Ugh. I mean, it's awful. It's bad. I mean, it's it's the reason we use it is because it is. It is aggressive to life. It is anti-life. It is yep. doesn't want things to be alive. Um, so uh, the next chapter is composting toilets and systems. Uh, no pun there. Just talking about composting toilets, um, people's fear of pathogens. Um, and he gives just a lot of examples on how to actually build a composting toilet or build like he was describing a dry toilet compost pile system which i think is generally what he recommends because it's easier like to build a composting toilet you basically have to like the composting takes place where you do it and that requires a lot more space you know you can't put that in a in a you know something the size of a normal bathroom unless you've got like something that goes outside or goes into another room or a basement or somewhere where the composting is possible. You wouldn't want to do composting in your basement because you want it to get oxygen. You want it to get moisture. You want it to get rain and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, So there's, I mean, I don't know what really do to talk about really, like he just has a bunch of like diagrams of how this stuff works and just talks about that. You have to manage it. You have to pay attention to it. Um, but generally, the thing is that you have separate compost piles so that they, each of them has a chance to cure for about a year. If you are very concerned about pathogens and stuff like that, you set up you you set it so that you can cure it for two years, so you've got a little more time. Um, but yeah, and there's just a bunch of pictures of different different toilets um, that exist in the world right now that aren't his design or anything like that. Um, and just versions that people use that are out there. Well, it seems seems interesting nonetheless. You know, those of that are listening, if you want to look at any of this stuff, I'm sure, you know, pick up the book, obviously. There's probably a lot of really cool uh, little drawings and schematics in there and whatnot. Um, it's a you cool know, book. I think it, yeah, it, it seems very interesting. It's got cr- great uh, chapter titles, too. Yeah, uh, Some <laughs> are great. Um, but, I mean... You know, I think it's uh, it's it's bringing awareness to a one, you know, little thing that we can be aware of now, and and you know, an, another way that we can help in in a pretty major way. Uh, you know, probably a lot of people didn't even think about before. Yeah, it's and, and it really is something achievable. Like I sure. can reduce my plastic use and not use plastic and stuff like that, and that's great. I mean, that's right. valuable. Um, this is really something that we can do it is some yeah it's something you can if you choose to if it seems you know not entirely repulsive to you you know it's something you can consider involving in your life or just thinking about it's it's nice you know it's helpful i think if we just also just start thinking about how we do these things and thinking about what we do and how right you know we have this fantasy of disposability in our culture and the truth is things don't just vanish they don't just go away um, yeah, you know what's the worst? You know what's the absolute worst? Is uh is uh, on TikTok. Uh, there's a lot of people. Uh, it's a very growing trend who will buy a bunch of stuff, um, like from the grocery store, right? Like cereals and spices and all that. Yeah. Uh, and 
then they will have like separate little containers in their home that they use to store it all, right? Mm. But the problem is, is you're just buying all this stuff, taking it out of one plastic <laughs> container, putting it in your glass container, and like, ah, yes. But then you're throwing out all this plastic. <laughs> like, if you have that kind of setup, there are stores like Whole Foods and other stores where you can just buy stuff bulk and not have to go through wasting all yeah. of that plastic. Like, it's so infuriating to see people just constantly do that and throw away heaps and heaps of plastic just so it looks nice <laughs> and clean. But I'm putting it in glass. Container. Yeah, look, I'm better for the environment. No, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's very performative. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And, yeah. It's I would recommend going to the Mexican grocery store in your area. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, they, a lot of those specialty stores... Yeah, I mean it's just a regular grocery store, but like in Texas, it's just called Fiesta, and it's got a picture of like a, a parrot with a sombrero on. Um, but like it's a grocery store, it's just a regular grocery store, and it's actually generally, I feel like they're generally better. There's more produce, and they usually mm. have a really good dry goods section, and it's not Whole Foods. Like that's the, like it's so true, it's, true. It's so yeah. weird that like you know the the Anglophile, the English speaking, you know, or English oriented grocery store. I don't know how to like. Describe it because we're all Americans, uh, yeah. or in America. Um, but uh, like the, the, the they give you all the plastic wrap crap, but then like you can pay a shitload more at Whole Foods to like get you know dry goods and you know get it in bulk and right. bulk goods, yeah. Uh, which is just which is just funny. Um, but yeah, I recommend uh, I recommend what would generally be considered the Mexican grocery store for that kind of thing because they're usually there and they're usually at a reasonable price. Yeah. True. Chapter seven. Chapter Worms seven. and disease. Okay. This is a very long chapter, and I won't go into incredible detail, but basically, you know, he, he recognizes, you know, I mean, feces is a vector for disease. You don't you don't play with poop um, because it's it's a it's it, you can get sick from it. Um, however. Uh, it's not, that doesn't mean it is always going to be that way. It can be taken care of and it can be treated. Um, but I think that's why he gives this chapter so much attention and there's so many tables and there's so much just data on different worms, uh, viruses and stuff like that. And this is like the scary stuff. This is the stuff people are scared of, but it's, it's important to like address it and it's important to pay attention to it. And like, you know, he's done the research, they do the tests they've done, you know, according to him. Uh, you know, this is one book, but this is the third edition out of four editions. So I, I mean, I, it's, I, I, I have, a, I have faith in it. Like it, it really feels well-researched. It makes sense. And, you know, he recommends a method that really does, according to him, work. And, you know, hopefully I find out someday when I build my composting toilet. Right. Um, I would like to read the conclusion from this chapter. I wrote that I'd like to read it. We'll see if, we'll see how boring this is. Um, conclusions of the worms and disease chapter. Humanure is a valuable resource suitable for agricultural purposes and has been recycled for such purposes by large segments of the world's population for thousands of years. However, humanure contains the potential for harboring human pathogens, including bacteria, viruses, protozoa, and parasitic worms or their eggs, and thereby can contribute to the spread of disease when improperly managed or when discarded as a waste material. 
When pathogenic raw humanure is applied to soil, pathogenic bacteria may continue to survive if the, in the soil for over a year, and roundworm eggs may survive for many years, thereby maintaining the possibility of human infection for lengthy periods of time. However, when humanure is composted, human pathogens are destroyed and the humanure is thereby converted into a hygienically safe form of suitable uh, safe form suitable for soil applications for the purpose of human food production. Thermophilic composting requires no electricity and therefore no coal combustion, no acid rain, no nuclear power plants, no nuclear waste, no petrochemicals and no consumption of fossil fuels. By composting process, the composting process produces no waste, no pollutants, and no toxic byproducts. Thermophilic composting of human manure can be carried out century after century, millennium after millennium, with no stress on our ecosystems, no unnecessary consumption of resources, and no garbage or sludge for our landfills. And all the while, it will produce a valuable resource necessary for our survival while preventing the accumulation of dangerous and pathogenic waste. That's that's a lot to it's a lot to take in. But I think that is a good thesis statement for for the whole book basically. If yeah. I'm being honest, like that seems to be the the main the main point kind of wrapped up in just the end of that little uh a bit there. Um I mean, it kind of makes me wonder uh because of how he speaks so um uh highly of it. And it looks like it, you know, it sounds like it works really well from all this research that I wonder how long it'll take for us to implement that on like a, a bigger scale system, you know? Yeah, I don't know. We got to we got to get out there and talk about it and, you know, just at least get people used to the idea. Sure. Which is what we're doing right now. Yeah. Right? And what he's been doing for decades. Um, I picked up this book a few years ago because, like I said, I have this, you know, dream of like, you know living somewhere where I can dig a hole in the ground and live in a, live in a <laughs> hobbit hole. Right. Um, you know, and that would require like maybe not having sewage, not having, you know, or, you know, whatever. So, yeah. I, and I just think it's really cool. I think it's really nice to figure out how we can actually live in harmony with our environment instead of being pretending that we're not part of it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. You'll climb out of the hobbit hole. And then you'll see the wasteland from Terra Nail in front of you. All of us will be gone, but JM will still be around. That's right. And then I'll start JM going around. Smart. I'll build little compost piles and I'll rejuvenate the soil. And yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I will, you know, through the healing power of poop. Uh, <laughs> the last couple of chapters, the chapter eight is the Tao of compost, um, where he mm. just kind of breaks down the process. And we've talked a little bit about that already. The dry toilet, taking it out to the compost pile. Um, and he goes into the details of that and how to do it. And just like really step-by-step, step, like, you know, how to build your own dry toilet, you know, what he, you know, several pictures of people using them. There's pictures from a, Good. from an event where like 500 people came out to like a, you know, like I don't, not, I don't, it wasn't a rent fair. It was some kind of convention, but like, uh -huh. these were the toilets they used, you know, pe they provided people with instructions on how to use it and it worked just fine. They like, you know, got... So it can work in large scale situations. Um, and it's just, it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a thing that we can do and that we can really make happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of uh, the Portageon companies these days involve some of this stuff later on. 
sure. you know, take all I'm that sure. waste and sell it. Like, you can't just, I mean, what are they, like, they, they can't just, they're too smart to just dump that shit. Yeah, they have to. It's money on the table. Yeah. Yeah, no, they wouldn't leave it, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, just gardens that are grown with it. He does talk about legalities, like you want to check with your local municipality and stuff like that to make sure that you're not, like, doing something illegal by doing this because there are places, um, you know, where... You know, there might be ordinances and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool. I and mean, this is this is like the probably the most valuable chapter directly in the book is just how to do it yourself, how to build it, how to make it happen. Uh, chapter nine is gray water systems talking about like, you know, dirty water and like, you know, pee water and stuff like that. What to do with that, how to filter that. Again, lots of details, different ways that it's been done, different ways that you can do it, different ways you can use that water and stuff like that. And the last chapter, the end is near, is an interview with himself because he said nobody else will will interview him. Um, Darn it, Jim! We could have had him on. Oh my gosh, I did not even think about that. You could have um, had him on. Nobody else interviewed him. Forecast will interview you. <laughs> Forecasting him over forecast. Yeah, um, <laughs> I should have done that. I should have did that. Oh well. Oh well. Um, yeah, that's my presentation in honor of Terra Nil, in honor of trying to reclaim the wasteland, trying to make it not a wasteland, trying to prevent things from even becoming waste in the first place. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the easiest step because, I mean, that's kind of one of the grim parts about Terra Nil, right, is that everything is destroyed. And, you know, at least in Terra Nil, you're able to um, bring it back. But, you know, in, in reality, that's, that's not even a... a <laughs> way we can do things right now we we're not yeah. even close so yeah. yeah if we ruin everything it's just ruined there is no returning from that that's just it so you know you want to you want to prevent that and just enjoy the fake scenario of terra nil where it's all good <laughs> yeah let's keep let's keep terra nil fictional yes that's the <laughs> message of the of this podcast let's keep terra nil fictional please uh yeah make it a keep it a lovely fiction we can only hope. Uh, well, thanks for thanks for doing this, Zach. Uh, how was this for you? <laughs> thanks for informing me. I yeah. feel like I've learned. I, I've learned a lot. Um, I had no idea that this is uh, was going to be the topic of conversation, but I think it's a very good one to have, and I'm, I'm glad I was able to be part of it. Uh, yeah, I, uh, thank you for having me on today. You know, uh, this time... Uh, I got to actually contribute to something meaningful instead of oh. the filth of the mind that is TikTok. So. <laughs> yeah, we got to figure out Glad what to do with that. old TikToks. I don't know what how to how to compost old TikToks. But. We gotta, yeah, you know what? I'll take it up at the board. I'll see if we can start a recycling program for old TikToks. It's like vines, you know. They recycled old vines, and people started posting old vines on TikTok now. Did they? So we just got a plan for the future, so we know we can recycle all this content. You know, Good. it doesn't go to yeah. waste. Yeah, nice. I'll get on that. I'll get on that. Sweet. Um, well, cool. anybody who listened through the whole episode, thanks for listening. I'm sure some people got pretty turned off by all the poop talk, but um, hopefully you found it informative and interesting at the very least. Um, and maybe you want to grab a copy of the Humanure Handbook. The guy's website is the is, – you look up Humanure Handbook, you can find his website, and there's more information there. Um and uh, if, you know, anything I've said has been egregiously wrong, you can go to discord.gg slash Devolver Digital. We have a Fortcast channel, and you can tell me how incorrect I was about something. 
uh, or how incorrect Zach was about something. No, no, no worries. No. Only JM. Only, only JM. Me. Don't don't mention. Don't mention don't Zach. Mention me. But yeah, if if, yeah. if you enjoyed this, if this was informative for you, do let us know because um, we are generally shooting in the dark. Uh, so yeah, hope that you've enjoyed this. Um, Zach, do you want to do the thing? Oh, I don't even know what the thing is. Do the thing. Oh, quick, quick, tell me what the thing is. <laughs> Um, the thing is where Jared says, do you like video games? Well, then oh. we've got some good news for you. Um, okay. I got it. No, no, yeah. no. Let me just rewind. <laughs> do you like video games? Well, we've got some good news for you. What happens next? Oh, then he tells you where you can find Devolver. Oh, uh, you can follow Devolver Digital at, uh, at, at Devolver Digital on Twitter, at Devolver Digital on Instagram, at Devolver Digital on TikTok, uh, Devolver Digital Discord, discord.dg back, backslash Devolver Digital. Forward slash. Uh, forward slash, right, not backslash. I think that's all of them. Uh, yeah, we've got a Twitch, we've got YouTube, we've got Twitch, uh, Facebook. YouTube, Facebook. All of all of your social media, all the socials, all the socials. Just media. follow us on TikTok, honestly. That's all you need. That's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being here, Zach. And uh, mm. everybody, have a wonderful, wasteless day. Who? Time wishless to take a Tara shit. Nil. Yeah, time to take a shit. Wishless Terranil. <laughs> The year 2012 will be seen by video game historians as a turning point for the independent game developer. One game radically altered the course not only of video games, but of human civilization. That game was McPixel. I didn't understand who they had created. However, not everything has been sunshine and hot dogs. The mere mention of the unreleased McPixel 2 sparks uncontrollable emotions in the dozens of developers who worked on the doomed project. Yeah, I was the lead systems engineer on McPixel 2. Uh, that was back when it was an open world RPG. They wanted me to uh, consult on groin kicks. Um, I was into it. I was hired as the lead composer on McPixel 2. And they told me to create over 15 hours of music with the London Symphony Orchestra for what at that point was going to be this AAA cinematic adventure game. For the full, terrifying, and unchallenged story of McPixel 2's rise and fall, visit mcpixel2.com now. Imagine if, in an instant, you lost everything you truly love, and the only clue as to how that happened is a mysterious firearm known as the Gumbrella. Gumbrella. Love is a fundamental motivating factor in everything that we do at Doinksoft. So when this man began his search for the truth, we knew we had to tell his story. Follow one man's unyielding quest across a bitter landscape as he attempts to unlock the secrets of this most unorthodox weapon. We realized very early on that the Gumbrella is not only a firearm that can utilize several different types of ammunition, but it's also a powerful traversal tool, allowing for dashes, double jumps, and even zip lining. All things that our unlikely hero will need as he investigates ruined and crumbling towns, underground facilities, 
and the terraced gardens of the social elite. We've been working on unraveling the mystery of the Gumbrella for X months slash years now, and we're still uncovering new mysteries, not only about the Gumbrella itself, but about the world that it comes from. Follow Doinksoft's incredible journey by visiting Steam and wishlisting Gumbrella today.